Hello and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. It's a nice little somber tone that you've taken there for our 200th episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I it, it, Maybe it sounded somber, but I think the the uh, tone I was trying to portray was pride. Satisfaction. It's like uh, we're, we're growing old. We're looking out on our legacy that we've left behind and uh, <laughs> proudly surveying our, our land. Yes. All, all look upon me in despair for uh, I am Ozymandias or we are Ozymandoyaces. <laughs> you can call us O for short. It's much easier to spell. Ah, perfect. But um, yeah, so this is our 200th episode of Playwright. Uh, we've almost hit every week consecutively ever since we started. We took a couple weeks here and there just because of, you know, real life stuff that came up, but uh, it's been a remarkably consistent podcast in terms of uh, schedule, I hope in terms of quality. Um, but uh, I guess that's up to the listeners to decide. I can't uh, posit an opinion on that one way or the other, but I've been proud of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's wild. We, we, we just said to each other 200, right? Before we started uh, recording. And, mm -hmm. you know, that means it's quick math. It's not going to be perfect math, but that's roughly uh, what, 600 or so <laughs> ideas out there in the ether uh, for yeah, people. Yeah, roughly. This episode is the is the day that we run up the score, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. We have something special for our 200th episode. We've done some special shows in the past. Uh, a couple years ago, we did an E3 special where we stylized our entire show like it was an E3 conference. And with E3 on again this year, and with our last show of our regular run falling on the E3 week like it normally does. Uh, maybe we do that again. Maybe we kind of brush off that idea. We'll talk about it more as we get closer to it. But this time around, we wanted to do something something bigger, something crazier, something that I'm not sure is going to work entirely <laughs> for our 200th show. Yeah, uh, We are each going to be delivering 50 pitches, um, but to keep it under the... Uh, you know, traditional 16 hour mark, uh, we are going to, um, we're not going to spend the entire 10 minutes on each pitch like we normally would. Uh, essentially, we're each just going to, I, I think the way it should work is we, one of us says the pithy little pitch that we've come up with. The other person kind of adds a tag to it. And then it goes back to the first person to either kind of react to that or offer a rebuttal, you know, standard debate <laughs> rules, if you will. And then, uh, and then the other person can go and give their next pitch. And so it'll be kind of a back and forth of ideas all night long. Is this to say that we're... runtime uh, of the one's going to be. <laughs> is this to say, I, I imagine this was assumed, but we are going to punt our redacted game for next week. I still owe you one. I, I think this will take us all the way to the end. And I mean, very fittingly, we used to end each playwright with a mini pitch. And now we're doing 100 mini pitches in total. Yeah. This entire episode is like a long ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In a way it is, um, it, it makes up for all the mini pitches since we stopped doing mini pitches. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and many more hopefully. But, uh, what I'm most curious about 
is if any of our pitches are going to be the same. Yes. <laughs> yeah, me too. I thought about that too. I was like, oh my God, what's the overlap going to be here? Or if we have actually pitched any of these in the past and have forgotten. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, anyway, so let's, uh, let's go ahead and get to it. I'll kick us off with something that I know we've pitched a similar uh, Battle Royale version of this before, but I'm hoping to keep it simple with uh, stealth golfing. Ooh, stealth golfing. I love, uh, we can finally have a good night golfing game here, but I love the idea of having to uh, read terrain and stuff with specialty goggles and all that. We'd have to really come up with what we're trying to avoid, but uh, maybe that's a conversation for another day getting noticed stealthy too yeah (laughs) um my first uh pitch on my list number one is a pac-man horror game where you're taking the perspective of being pac-man in the maze being chased by these horrible ghosts actually you know i've also considered the opposite of you know the ghosts are just kind of running around minding their own business it's pac-man who has the agency and who can at any moment turn the tables on them yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a kind of a hellish situation for either side. <laughs> I think if you it, probably if you just tweak the graphics to look scary slash real lifey, then you would get something that feels like dead by daylight. But uh, I, I love the Pac-Man angle. Next, a manage a fireworks factory with automated construction lines. And uh, the the fun part about this would be these spectacular displays whenever something eventually goes wrong. Oh man. And then I I love the idea of having to deal with um, like spilling gunpowder and like the proliferation of fires and stuff throughout the factory. Yeah. And then you'd have the, uh, nothing to see here, please disperse. (laughs) Got to put one of those days since last incident posters on the wall. (laughs) My second mini pitch is, uh, Dynasty Warriors meets Stratego. So don't just go mindlessly killing all of those guys that you see in the battlefield. One of them is the spy and can actually defeat you if you even touch them. So you have to surgically discover where, where the spy is. That's interesting. It would be almost like a minesweeper type of situation, I'd imagine, where yeah. the first enemy that you def- that you attack can't be the spy. Otherwise, that would be unfair. But each of them give you subtle clues to maybe like what direction the spy is in or what colors the spy is wearing or something. So you can kind of pick up a general gist of it throughout the entire uh, play field. Yeah, I like the idea of having the spy having some special type of AI so that you can kind of pick them out in a crowd if you're really careful. But hey, you know, you've got those big swings, so you really got to figure out how to be surgical. Next, a game about... A game that already feels kind of like you're stacking up a family of cards. It's a solitaire, but it's about recreating a family tree lineage. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a good idea. Some of these we should make real full pitches. <laughs> um, I Yeah, and, and we'd have to, I guess, how do we do the mechanic of not being able to access cards underneath? I wonder if like children cancel out parents or like marriages and divorces have like stacks on top of each other so people become inseparable then you have that mechanic in in, uh, solitaire where you can stack like the wrong color card i don't know if it's every version of solitaire but some versions of solitaire allow you to stack the wrong color on top of another color as long as it's kind of the next in line but then you can't move that stack until you clear the reds from the blacks or the blacks from the reds oh man Uh, so you know just other ways of 
you know, maybe there are ways that you can kind of pin yourself down. You're not able to finish a family tree until you make some more progress in another. Maybe some immigration or child support. Here's a weird one for you. An RPG um, that uh, you play kind of robots, but it's in the 90s and you have to load in your moves on floppy disks and unload your moves and swap them out for other floppies in the middle of battle. I think if we're going with old technology, we should go even further and do the actual punch cards because I've always had this like (laughs) this weird fascination with the computerized punch cards that like it would be, I don't know, you would just feel like such a master of computers if you were able to like punch one out yourself, you know, to (laughs) add a couple more holes here and there. You just intuit the binary. I love that idea. And uh, the opportunities for naming now with punching being the main action. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Really good. All right. Lego Dark Souls. This is one that I actually (laughs) want in real life. (laughs) That that is a good idea. I I, I wonder, I'm I'm curious to find out if any of the things on your list are going to be kind of a joke pitch, but the, the Lego Dark Souls is so good. I love the idea of... Uh, in a boss battle, having to, um, rather than having like an Estes Flax or something, go pick up your arm or something in, in the middle of battle. And I also feel like Lego is in need of maybe a bit of a yeah, gameplay refresh. Up as far as, yeah. yeah, yeah, a bit of a refresh. That's a good word for it. Like when Disney Infinity moved on to his 3.0 expansion, they brought in Ninja Theory to do a like brand new combat system that gave it a lot more kind of like beat em up depth. Uh, drawing from their character action origins. And um, yeah, I mean, it would be great for Lego to kind of maybe adapt little bits and pieces from Dark Souls and then carry that forward into its future games. Since we didn't have the burden of being business viable, I want to pitch a uh, an MMO that takes place in the Dune universe where you can play as a member of one of the houses and your the houses are competing to control the resource that is the spice that's something that actually feels viable all of the dune games that do exist are these kind of like crazy ambitious titles obviously you know the type of people who are going to program a dune game yeah. in the first place but uh, there's there's a game that came out this year, I believe. Maybe it's still in early access, but I don't remember the name. But it's set in a large desert, and you uh, you navigate around in these kind of like walking walking tank like things with these long spindly legs. Uh, I I wish I could remember the name, but it's not coming to me at the moment. Uh, oh, but uh, might be an online thing as well. But yeah, deserts are a cool place for that kind of thing. I just picked up over the weekend that Dune box set. I don't know if people have seen it, but it's a really beautifully designed set of, uh, I guess all the four or five Dune, but whatever it is, the five or six Dune books, I can't remember. Yeah. I think like there's also a ton, like at this point, Dune is, you know, it's so dense and there's so much to it that there's plenty to mine for expansions and, and all sorts of like side stories in there. Can be called Spice World, <laughs> um, a traffic helicopter simulator. I don't know if that would make for a fun game. Like I've never done I, it before. I am the traffic helicopter person or I'm I'm like, it's like mini metros, but for helicopters. Yeah. You're like observing the traffic below and reporting on it, I guess. <laughs> oh, oh, cool. That's interesting. And I like the idea of potentially um, maybe we go a little uh, sci-fi or, or 
cyberpunky with it and give some sort of cool AR displays and information uh, layers. So you get like much smaller controlled, but maybe a flight simulator like level of quality with all these cool uh, layers on top. Be neat if you had the opportunity to, if there was kind of like a Google map style overlay of the like the red roads are the ones that are super busy. And so it was kind of your job to also check if any of them don't match up and then you can kind of manually correct them. Be like, you know, sometimes the data is bad and a road will show as being at a complete standstill and will reroute people in some other route when it's actually a completely open road. My next one is uh, <laughs> maybe a little bit like Lego Dark Souls. Spore Creature Creator Celebrity Deathmatch. That's pretty fun. I mean, that's kind of what the first uh, first few um, evolutionary stages of a spore kind of was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as you tried to consume the other people. But turning those types of like, those types of generative character, create a character modes into like a wrestling game, I think would be a really fun way to spice up both genres. I also like the idea of uh, if we specifically tie it to celebrity deathmatch, people just being able to build and share really in the same way that we got the me universe of like celebrities and fictional mm-hmm. characters. I would love to see the spore universe of those characters. I have a binocular observation game where the game's story objectives push you towards bird watching, but the achievements, which are publicly viewable and judgeable by all quote unquote, reward you for being a peeping Tom. <laughs> so we'll know which you get up to. Oh, wow. Exposure through the achievements. Oh my God. It's, uh, I'm surprised more games don't do that. Actually, uh, calling people out with achievements would be a good idea. I like the idea of, you know, something like this. I think the, the Xbox does a really good job now of when you take a screenshot or when you save a video, it saves it to your phone. So I imagine you get a really cool photo mode and stuff for free with something like that. Yeah, I can see that working out. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, I don't have anything else to add. Good job. <laughs> it's perfect. It is what it is. Okay. I had to say, I had to burn one of my 50 pitches on this. A real damn Yoshi's Island game that is a rival to the Mario game series. Like, we, we just don't have this now. I mean, Yoshi's Woolly World on Wii U is pretty good. Uh, that was a pretty solid Yoshi game for what I, I remember. Know. I know. It's just that. a little... I'd love it to to either for Yoshi to go 3D a little bit or for Yoshi to maybe up the level. Yoshi's Island felt like a really... Uh, a platformer, at least on the level of Super Mario World in a way that it doesn't necessarily know. Yeah. Yep. That's fair. Calling out Nintendo with a pitch. A Grand Theft Auto style open world crime game set in the Star Wars universe. <sighs> Ooh, okay. We were almost, we almost had an adjacent pitch there. Um, (laughs) Yes. Hell yes to this. Uh, That's really cool. And I love, you know, we, I felt like we were moving towards that with 1313 and the early um, things that they were showing there, but Mm. my gosh, like let's take Moss Eisley spaceport and, or, you know, what, what are some of the bigger cities? Like, is it Coruscant? Coruscant. Yeah. Go to one of those places. Just let me live there. We have bring in the flying cars, all that. I think regardless of whether the next Grand Theft Auto type game is a Star Wars property or not, like you, you should be able to like take out bounties as just kind of a randomly generated thing. Go and try to like hunt down people within that world. Like that would just be like a really fun 
thing to do as long as they don't all have to be kind of individually scripted and programmed. I think it would give, I know, no, I'm breaking here, but it would give Rockstar a good, we have three uh, eras that we deal with, super future, super fast, and right in between. Yeah. My next one is a, sh- a game like Shipbreaker. Do you know Shipbreaker? Uh, Shipbreaker, but for recycling and recycling and upcycling uh, different sorts of consumer products. So would you be also kind of tasked with breaking them apart or would it just be like sorting the recycling? Yeah, I, th- I think we should break them up and uh, potentially like see if their parts can either be recycled or maybe repurposed into something else. All right. Create a fashion line and compete in fashion shows by absorbing colors and textures from the world around you. Metal Gear Solid 4 style. Ooh, that is a good idea. Um, I love it. I love the idea of bringing in the Animal Crossing style or any sort of um, generative fashion style thing where you can kind of stitch and fuse patterns together and really come up with new combinations. Yeah, this was uh, kind of inspired by a fashion-centric minigame that I played recently on Wii Party U. Minigame itself wasn't that good, but uh, it just reminded me, we don't see outside of like Style Savvy, which hasn't even had an entry on the Switch. Like we haven't, we don't really see that many fashion games. It's kind of a shame. Okay. Number eight on my list is a Minecraft slash Fortnite style building slash construction game where really just people are coming together to build a realistically sized and proportioned community and customize their living spaces together. For some reason, when I hear like build a community, I immediately went to like retirement community and I kind of like that (laughs) even more as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. And if you did something, but I mean, I almost imagine some version of this being like house flipper, but you get to build the house as well. Um, but uh, yeah, having it take place in a retirement community, everyone's old by default. All you have to choose your old yeah. avatar. That's funny. <laughs> All right. A VR swimming game where you actually locomote by moving your arms as if you're swimming. Hell yeah. I think this is really cool. And it it starts to get into something that we've seen increasingly. I know that what is it? HTC is coming out with one of these get into the use case of fitness in VR, mm-hmm. right? We're getting more and more of these, like we can create the gym at home for you. And so could we create the pool and be weird to say, don't get it wet. We need some waterproofing on one of these goggles. When it comes to stuff like uh, Subnautica that you can play in VR, it's kind of almost feels like a bit of a waste that they don't use like physical based movement. Uh, I, I know that your hands are used for a lot of other things in those types of games, but uh I mean, I think it'd be really cool to kind of scuba dive around all these like coral reefs and stuff with um, with the fish and actual actual feeling of swimming. This next one is a little too real. Well, Plague Inc. style game where we have to vaccinate the world. So you're kind of uh, taking the role of the heroes against the virus this time around. That's fun. I think I, I wonder if you would have that kind of like all levels of government control or whether you would have right. to be kind of confined to, you know, just like the CDC and you have no control over the misinformation that's going out and the bad faith politicians who are, you know, causing trouble. I think you'd probably have to have that political layer in addition to going on the ground and even setting up some, 
you know, some almost FTL 2D style layouts of vaccination sites to make sure that they're efficient and, oh, yeah. and well run. Next is Rhythm Tennis. It's already pretty rhythmic, but uh, what can we do to kind of spice that up? I love the idea of getting some good... I feel like even Mario Tennis, which is way out there for tennis, um, is still uh, in typical-ish settings. So I like the idea of getting the disco floor and maybe we even encourage on like down beats or something to, you do want to bounce the ball uh, on your side of the court in, in a way. Yeah. You know, the Rhythm Heaven series has had a few, I think at least two ping pong stylized levels and then one very famous uh, badminton stylized level and uh, just kind of the different cadences of shots. Like I think tennis makes for a really good kind of like pattern repetition, call and response, and, you know, different audio cues for like a slow lob up that you have to wait an extra beat for, or a really quick bounce off the net or whatever. How about a musical theater game where you have to assemble pieces uh, to form a musical from other famous productions and sets? (laughs) So like, so you would take like a song from Cats and (laughs) set it on like a set from Les Miserables or something like that. Uh-huh. And then why not have a number from the producers follow it up? I'm into that. That's a, that's a fun idea. Um, how about Hitman, but each level is a level from another game and you have to hunt down that game's protagonist. <laughs> uh, we're back to stealth again. I want to hunt down Sam Fisher as Hitman. That would be very fun. Or maybe... Uh... Or Mario or <laughs> Sonic. Or maybe one of those horrible creatures from Dark Souls. I can go for that. A skincare game where you have to uh, look at, diagnose, and find the right ointments and rubs and treatments to deal with the skin conditions. Uh, I think personally, I would probably pass on this one. (laughs) I don't think I have the stomach for looking at infected skin skin and stuff like that all day. What if we go more for a uh, garbage pail kids type aesthetic and we make it like more Ren and Stimpy gross? Yeah, ooziest was uh, what I was that what I was really wanting there. How about a sumo wrestling game starring kaiju? I don't think we've had sumo wrestling video games before, and this seems like the perfect end for it. Yeah, I don't. The rules of sumo wrestling are what you have to kind of just push each other outside of a circle. Yeah, and I'd really like to kind of better understand the mechanics and how they make that happen. Like it has to be more complicated than just like pushing each other really hard, you know? Yeah. I imagine uh, almost like wrestling that you would, especially if we had like, you know, Godzilla and Mothra and that sort of stuff, uh, it would all be all about finding like the momentum and the leverage uh, to move another creature. So if you have like a top heavy and a bottom heavy creature, how do you properly get a hold of that thing? Or kind of like um, kind of like Death Stranding, like really being careful about managing your own balance and trying to throw off the balance of your opponent. I've got a VR game uh, where you are a professional butcher. And so you got to butcher different types of animals. Mm. You learn how to butcher them and then you got to do it as fast as you can. This seems like the type of game that, uh, that would make for a last minute horrifying twist. <laughs> that all along you weren't who you thought you were, but uh, maybe we leave it in a in a space of good faith that people just want to cut up meat, and that's that's fine. 
I'm realizing around pitch 11 and 12 that I, I, went, I go on occasional dark streaks in this uh, <laughs> list of 50 things. But uh, yeah, I do like the idea. You know, I've seen the whenever I watch a video or something of like, hey, you can buy a chicken and here's how you get like every piece of the chicken off. Like that's wild to me. And I it, it yeah. feels very far away from how we consume right now. Similarly, a cooking game in which each dish comes alive after cooking and must be defeated in an RPG battle system. <laughs> Come on, did you move that to be in conjunction with this thing? <laughs> no, no, that was next on the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've got a complete game if we uh, if we combine these two. So after you defeat it in RPG, you get to carve it all up. I mean, if you are fighting against anything in RPGs, having a large array of knives at your disposal is going to be useful. <laughs> For sure. Here's one that I think we could have used probably about a year ago, but uh, a game that is really about organizing and uh, organizing in real life and giving people a virtual space with perhaps real world recreated virtual settings uh, to remotely peacefully demonstrate together. That's interesting because, I mean, demonstrations are supposed to be, if you're talking about like political protests and stuff like that, are supposed to be necessarily disruptive. And so I don't know if you'd get the same level of being picked up by news media if you were just kind of all having a big protest within like rec room. Virtual space, uh, yeah. Yeah, VR chat. Yeah, I do think that you would have to, you know, I think if if something like this happened within a fortnight, you know, maybe it would then catch the news because it's a big enough title. But yeah, I like the idea of kind of also using things like proximity chat and uh, giving people, you know, certain like bullhorns and stuff so they can be heard at different areas. But yeah, you know, not everybody is either able to or or able-bodied to to go to these things. So it would be nice to give them a place to, to go to. Octodad, but each leg is controlled by a separate person online. <laughs> oh man. Well, if we're going to do this, we got to go to the next level and have uh, Twitch plays Octo legs, you know? <laughs> yeah. I just think the, uh, the absolute chaos of trying to move in a single direction with eight people all trying their best to work <laughs> together, but failing would be a lot of fun. I imagine the voice chat on that would also be good. Rock band, but for cooking. All right. So, um, there I'm, I'm kind of peripherally aware of a game in the oddly enough in the senren kagura series that uh you know big titty beach volleyball they don't do volleyball <laughs> they do fighting right uh anime fighting <laughs> game something uh, they have a cooking game a cooking rhythm game as a part of that series so if you're that eager to get into the idea of a rhythm cooking game then uh the uh a publisher's catering to you pervs in in uh I don't know what company does that. 505? That seems like something they would publish, right? Yeah, for Uh, sure. Have you covered? Yeah, I think it would be interesting to have uh, a cooking game mixed with that like stream. Like things are just coming at you. Hey, listen, the vegetables are coming on this conveyor belt. You got to chop, chop, chop. And you got to count on the next person to toss them in the pot and salt, salt, salt or something like that. How about paintball games in disruptive spaces like romantic restaurants and weddings and such? Oh, that's a, that's really cool. And you know what? It would be so cool to do. I feel like the natural proclivity of the video game industry would be to make it lethal (laughs) in these places, but the kind of equivalent of the mafia hit, but, uh, but with doing it with paintballs and making it a really 
ridiculous thing. Have the NPC bystanders all scream and get upset and call you names. Yeah, it's kind of a you know the good nature like those community episodes. I, we we I guess we've firmly entered our our multiplayer version or our, our part of this list. Stardew so. Valley. <laughs> community gardening online multiplayer game oh so yeah that's interesting so you would plant your plant your seeds and hope that other players don't come by and steal them from you i mean that requires <laughs> a lot of trust and a lot of people being on the same page and not one in the quick buck which is like the only way to play games unfortunately <laughs> yeah and i thought it would be interesting too to maybe can you find or create the social dynamic of like hey, I saw your things need watering, like I just took care of it, right? Or yeah. maybe somebody logs in just to run a quest and they're like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll do some tending to this, these these crops. A serious game about medical procedures in the Old West times. Uh, you're, you're speaking my wife's language here. She's a massive Dr. <laughs> Quinn medicine woman uh, fan. And uh, yeah, aside from that show being like a lady doctor every single episode, uh, there's a lot of cool, um, you know, the old, because they knew so little, right? We're still in a time where there were barbers who were happily draining your blood to fix everything. You know, what? how do you sanitize an, ins uh, an instrument, right? They didn't even know about instrument sanitization. So, yeah, you could create really dramatic surgeries, like ratchet the music up and everything. You know, we've had those trauma center games on the Wii, and... Uh, I mean, since then, we've had Surgeon Simulator, which is like pretty firmly tongue in cheek. Uh, but uh, yeah, as far as other kind of like real surgical medical simulation games, um, nothing's really taken that space in a long while. My next one is a wish list item, to be sure. Bring back Starfleet Command, you cowards. <laughs> I want strategic starship battles. It's like naval battles, but in three dimensions. Let me get my firing arcs. Let me get my shields going. Let let it be big hulking slow ships duking it out. I've always seen these types of games. The what homeworld and I don't know if I have the right name there, but uh, yeah, yeah, homeworld. Homeworld. Yeah, these these types of games, and I've always been extremely intimidated. Uh, have never uh, have never gotten into them, but uh, I, I should give them a chance. I should uh, I should do my due diligence there. I think they can be interesting because you do, you know, if, if there's enough to it, you do learn a ship and the idea of in the campaign, moving on to a different ship type, you know, especially if it's bringing in a good narrative wrapper can be really interesting. It's like learning a new vehicle. Manage a shopping mall by staffing each store with characters from classic literature. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I've... <laughs> Man, I wonder if they're staffed with people who did their respective thing. Like, does Da Vinci run the art store? Um, and do do you get like uh, the what's his name? The the guy that uh, that invented Atari to do uh, the video gaming store and all that stuff. I think there's uh, things are some fun to be had. I mean, it, if that was the case, it would seem kind of like there is one solution for everything. But yeah, uh, you know, I can't help myself but put. Tom Sawyer and the uh, in the hardware construction store and uh, caricatures by Dorian Gray. <laughs> let's uh, let's do Urban Outfitters with Jack Torrance as well. A, a battle royale set in different uh, set with maps built on uh, as America's national parks. Oh, interesting. So the 
I would like to think that the shrinking circle, we could do something more creative than like a, an encroaching purple storm, you know, maybe each of the national parks could have like an appropriate natural disaster that is happening around (laughs) them. So like Yellowstone would be susceptible to giant earthquakes and bears. Yeah, certainly. (laughs) I love the idea of bears, just like a circle of of them are volcanic though. And so there's, you know, plenty of opportunity there as well. Yeah, that's cool. And learn a little bit about the, uh, the, the world. All right. Uh, a tiger electronics handhelds, uh, emulator for switch. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Oh man. The amount of time I spent senselessly playing the, what I'm sure if I went back to play it, awful home alone tiger electronics <laughs> game uh on, on on that thing it's interesting right because it's almost like zen pinball uh where you'd want to simulate mm-hmm. a bunch of the classics yeah you know uh those kind of electronic handheld devices were interesting because just due to the nature of how they worked like everything it was a binary display it wasn't like yeah like a display that had moving parts and so it's kind of like a game and watch like every Every cell of animation had to exist on the screen. And, you know, if you tilted it in the right direction, you can see them all at the same time. And they couldn't overlap, you know, it was very, uh, very carefully and interestingly constructed. And um, this reminds me of back in the day playing Pokemon Red and Blue on Game Boy. uh, There was a particular gym that had like a maze of invisible walls. But if you tilted the Game Boy screen, you can kind of see where the walls were. And I don't know whether that was like a placebo effect type thing or whether that was just some weird way with the way that the Game Boy displayed its sprites, but like I could swear it worked. Um, and, and either the internet is about to tell you you're absolutely right or absolutely wrong on that. How about a virtual gaming space to memorialize loved ones? So when you say a gaming space, does this mean like, uh, set up an arcade to yeah that's a good question I, I i i feel like you know in the same way that uh there's kind of what remains of edith finch could we build a a roblox or a, a, a builder type engine so people could tell stories from the lives of people that they lost that's a nice idea how about a stock market simulation game influenced by the trades that others are making online uh, complete with news stories about what's going on in the world that this game is set within. Become an MMO stock trading. That's really cool, and I think we would see very quickly our friends uh, on Reddit uh, <laughs> perhaps <laughs> use this thing to model out certain real-world outcomes that they might be attempting to drive. So I look forward well, hey, power to... power to the people. That's right. I look forward to making the money with you, and then I will also see you in court. The, I mean, I think the biggest difficulty hurdle would be how do you make money feel worthwhile? Like, yeah. you don't want people to just like, you know, you have to give people some kind of starter cash at the beginning of the game and you want to encourage people to essentially gamble it, but you don't want people to either like be eliminated from play forever if they lose all their money and you don't want people to just like treat it as being so inconsequential because they can always just get more there has to be some sort of a balance i'm not sure that i've found yeah maybe if you go far enough into debt you've got to uh time to cough up some cash for some v bucks to buy back in and maybe it slowly regenerates over time as well 
This next one is as much a collection as it is a almost a, a, a yet another remaster slash reboot, but Ultimate Mortal Kombat or, or Mortal Kombat Ultimate Ultimate or something like that. So uh, for many uh, for many sort of consoles, if you have a PlayStation Five or an Xbox Series X or I think even PS4 Xbox, you don't have the first. Mortal Kombat in the reboot Mortal Kombat. So this is an attempt to bundle them all together, get every character from all of those new modern reboots of Mortal Kombat, and then also a beautiful uh, either remastered or rebuilt uh, storyline that uh, contains all of the information from the reboots. Do they completely kind of upend the story and from 9 through 11 be able to tell you know, just one story through that, or were they still kind of drawing upon some of the pre-established history from the previous eight games? Nine was both a soft reboot uh, and in, in, in a, a kind of meaningful reboot. So there, there was kind of like nine was an attempt of like, hey, shit is so crazy. We're going back to the beginning on this. But I, I actually think, especially having watched that new Mortal Kombat movie, which I really didn't like, um... <laughs> I think the Mortal Kombat reboot story start to finish would it'd be kind of a weirdly it'd be like a 30 hour campaign. <laughs> it would be a pretty good one, too. On a similar note, an Animal Crossing fighting game. Yes. <laughs> Finally, my chance to teach Tom Nook <laughs> about what it <laughs> means to collect debts, Tom. Uh, this is super cool. And I love the idea of uh, if you do different sorts of arenas. Uh, the Animal Crossing Island being able to be knocked off the island or or, or destroying mm-hmm. villages in the background that you set up. I've always been a bit disappointed that the Wii U or 3DS or uh, Switch versions of Smash Bros. didn't allow you to like import your Animal Crossing Island from your save data and just like display that in the appropriate Smash Bros. stages because you're just flying over it. You're not interacting with it. So, you know, why not? Okay, this one is broad. Disney After Dark, a Disney-themed horror game. Interesting. So are we thinking like a Five Nights at Freddy's, like animatronics come alive type thing? Or is are you playing as like Mickey Mouse and all of these characters are like the cartoons or what? I think you could go either way. I like the idea of potentially having, in the same way Fantasia, it was, you know, it gets a little scary. Uh you could do mm-hmm. in fiction, there's some nasty characters, but that might go a little Kingdom Hearts on you. But I also love the idea of a horror game set uh, trapped in, you know, Disney World where, you know, the things are coming to life uh, on the rides and all that. You have to square off against an animatronic Abraham Lincoln eventually, which would be really exciting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Manage a collective of sex workers. Man, this is an interesting one because we could really... Uh, obviously it could go in very dark directions, but I, I think it also has an opportunity to kind of show it as a very, maybe one of the most honest businesses that could exist. <laughs> yeah. I think as far as like managing the different sides of the business as well, like I, I don't know enough about it uh, to know whether uh, sex workers do kind of dabble in multiple trades. Like pornography and video shoots and actual like real life prostitution and uh escorting and you know all these different kind of trades or whether they tend to be kind of like separate but it'd be interesting to kind of you know have the to be able to kind of weigh up the the risks and benefits of each and kind of manage your 
your company of, of workers and um, kind of advise as to, you know, how they can make the most success for themselves. How about a, an open globe, or not even an open world, an open globe splinter cell sequel where uh, terror is happening real time all around the world. And you as Sam Fisher have to choose uh, where you're, where, where you're going to drop in and sort of disrupt the engagements. Holy cow. I mean, the ambition of building something to that scale be really impressive, but I, I would love it if much of the game was a kind of international Carmen San Diego style Intel hunt throughout the world. Yeah, that makes total sense. Hey, Ubisoft, bring back Splinter Cell, please. Right. You are a talent agent that represents the letters of the alphabet. Make sure to keep all 26 clients happy. Maybe get them like letter of the day on Sesame Street or something like that. <laughs> um, gosh, <laughs> Uh, I we have to have some sort of shout out to Jerry Maguire and do some kind of phone call conversation system in this thing. Yeah, and you'd have to consider, you know, which letters are more common or more popular in different regions as well. You know, I think England gets more use out of its use than we do in the United States. You know, we drop a lot of them from color and favorite and words like that. Despite them. <laughs> Minecraft kart racers. So build your own vehicle with Minecraft blocks. Heck, design your own courses uh, in a multiplayer kart racer. I like it. It's kind of a uh, competitive nuts and bolts in a way. Mm. Right? You are sentient mold in the kitchen. In fact, more food and crawl to darker places to grow. Oh my God. At pitch 40 something, I almost wrote this down and I was like, no, I will be chastised for talking about growing mold. Yeah. I love the idea. And I like the idea too, of the mold having to get to certain sizes to kind of leap to the next adjacent vegetable. wonder if there's an element of trying to remain hidden as well. So you don't get thrown out. Just trying to grow on the undersides. Uh, <laughs> speaking of decay and grossness, why don't we play a game as a herd of maggots like the wonderful 101 trying to break down an animal body? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's pretty gross. <laughs> I'll give you that one. I'm surprised that we haven't had any serious overlap so far. So let's see if we can keep it up in the second half here. <laughs> um, okay, you can stop crimes as a superhero, but your superpowers uh, change every 30 seconds. <laughs> stop crime is a superhero but your power change every 30 seconds oh okay so this is like your uh your everything man or everything woman and everything is yeah. just uh rotating around i like the idea of uh encountering certain uh bad guys that are of a certain type where if you if you can stall to get the particular power you could defeat them yeah uh i think locking everything be behind these like very specific you know lego game kind of power match key matchup type of things might be a little bit frustrating, but uh, I would like to, you know, encourage the creativity while keeping you on your toes of never really knowing what your character is capable of at any moment. What about an asymmetrical uh, monster hunter game inspired by Evolve where one player gets to be the monster? That feels like the next logical step for the next monster hunter game. I, I can imagine that as being like, you know, the box feature 
Yeah, we've already got monster riding. Why not be the monster? So you manage a circle in hell. Find appropriately ironic ways to punish all wayward souls. Oh, man. I, uh, you, uh, you almost want to have like a, this is torture wheel of fortune or something like that. Yeah, a uh, wheel of misfortune. I think, I think some games have kind of dabbled in hell humor before, but it's not nearly as common as it should be. I, I would like it if it's mundane in, in the torture. This next one is courtesy of Jessica. So Jessica says hi, by the way. I'll just say what she wrote. You work at a hot dog factory and have to make the hot dogs. It's a thankless job, but somebody's got to do it. (laughs) I would love if you have to be creative with the types of meats that you're throwing in there. Like you don't have enough pigs to make all of the hot dogs that you want. So Anything you can find goes in the grinder. <laughs> That's right. Red light, green light, but in VR. Oh, cool. I, li- I like the idea of having to, like the swimming game, swing your arms to run, too. Yeah, dangerous. <laughs> um, a body bodybuilding mini games with, of course, coaching from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Would this be a current day Arnold Schwarzenegger who <laughs> you have to distract from his governmental duties? I think if we do more of a, uh, you know, anime aesthetic on the whole thing, then we could get a uh, anime prime Mr. Universe Schwarzenegger. You run an overpopulated graveyard. Find creative ways to stack bones underground so that everyone fits. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> Um, (laughs) truly awful. And, and I think you're going to have to, uh, level up and earn the ability to make some of those, uh, sarcophaguses above ground as well. As long as you don't have any like arms or heads poking up out of the ground. Yeah. This is a dense, dense dirt. A firefighter game where you're, uh, where you're actually doing climbing puzzles to rescue cats. Oh, that's interesting. So, you know, you have your, uh, you have your ladder, maybe you choose your kind of equipment set, like, uh, like Death Stranding to yeah. determine what you carry on you you never know what you need but there's always a way to get to where you need to be it's just it could be a little bit more or less difficult and take the wrong path or, or try and reach for the cat too soon and it'll go further up the tree you are a salmon that must migrate upstream upstream and navigate dams and such oh man obviously some dangers as we get to the last stretch of the salmon run from hooks and fishing nets and all sorts of obstacles. Yeah. You know, I always, uh, I was very interested in the way that man eater controlled the game where you play a giant shark. Yeah. And, uh, I think, you know, applying that same kind of movement set to something that is like prey rather than a predator, something that's running away from things would be interesting and frantic. How about a four player game where each player, uh, gets to have a quarter of a planet and you're doing city building, development, civilization development. Um, but everybody kind of, based on where they start, their civilization is going to develop in a different way. It'd be interesting if it didn't all kind of naturally progress towards war, like yeah. these types of like RTS games and civilization games naturally do. Yeah, I feel the same way. Right, a point-and-click adventure rhythm game. <laughs> That doesn't exist. That one seems obvious to me. Like they they should do that. <laughs> I I do like the idea of the point and click adventure game, and then also being able uh, when you when you're idling or something that the characters got all sorts of sick dance moves that they know. You know, point and clicks are a genre that require a lot of like waiting around or thinking or standing in place and observing the surroundings. If there was a way to 
really kind of pick up the pace and make it a little bit more, you know, The Cave, uh, published by Double Fine. Mm. Ron Gilbert kind of boiled down a lot of those point-and-click elements to a, you know, a pretty standard puzzle platformer type of game. And so, you know, I think we could streamline to such a degree that it can be done to a beat and a rhythm. For sure. How about a game where it's set in Pompeii? You know, it's the end of civilization. You're there to live your best life and the remaining days, weeks, whatever are left and uh, maybe help as many people as you can. I think it'd be fun if it was set in Pompeii and you weren't trying to help anyone. You were just trying to amass (laughs) like the goofiest scene that you could be frozen in forever. And like whoever gets like the funniest scenario set up the situation, be the winner. Yeah, let's make the graphics highly deep. Let's get those PlayStation 5 like cinematic quality graphics on it, too. Uh, Kirby Bowling. Absorb different elemental powers as you go down the bowling lanes to clear obstacles and have different effects on the pins. That's really cool. I love the idea, too. No Kirby game has dealt with this because it hasn't really been physics 3D-ish. But I would guess based on some of the things that Kirby swallows he might be a little lopsided so that could affect your curve and all of that sort of stuff um an uh, an apocalypse now inspired game where it's the vietnam war you're on a little boat going up river uh, and you've got to stop uh, for supplies to survive defend you and your team from attacks all that stuff this would be a nice almost kind of distillation of 80 days kind of a choice choose your own adventure style narrative adventure game uh, with kind of meaningful choices along the way and ability to engage with, uh, you know, different cultures and peoples. Um, This feels like something that's attainable and realistic. I think the way it either becomes directly involved with Apocalypse Now or not is how psychedelic and narrative you want to make the ending. A game like Splatoon, but you cause the stage to disappear instead of it being covered in ink. So the stage is naturally kind of constantly shrinking because it keeps on being eaten away. Oh man, that makes me think of, was it last week that you talked about the sequel to Dig Dug where you're carving away pieces of the island? So yeah, I love that. And uh, I even like the idea of uh, maybe being able to use your ink or something to uh, buy a couple extra seconds of platform uh, or extend the world a little bit off the edge as you are competing to stay alive. Maybe there would be different types of stages, like ones where gravity affects the stage. And if you slice off entire sections, then they'll fall into the ocean. And maybe there's some where gravity doesn't affect it. And so you're trying to create like holes in the stage. But if there's still a little bit of stage remaining, then you can kind of jump to that to try to get to safety. How about a uh, Flappy Bird escort platformer where you're playing as bees trying to defend their queen? Wow. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to that. Uh, would it? Yeah, it's an interesting idea. So how would you? How would you protect? Would you throw yourself in the way of uh, of enemy projectiles or whatever? Like, how do you protect people in like a side-on Flappy Bird style game? Yeah, I'm thinking that maybe. Uh, the the queen gets a few bees surrounding her and those also can kind of represent your lives. But as you kind of buzz around, maybe we, we make it so when you fall, you kind of fall 
uh, stinger side down. So you can really kind of, uh, as long as you fall appropriately, you'll, you'll defeat people. That's a good idea. A word game controlled with an actual Ouija board. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think we're living in the land, too, where it would be probably pretty affordable to slap like uh, an NFC sticker on the, the Ouija puck and actually get something that, that could do that with a phone pretty quickly. Yeah, the Ouija board also, is, as an interface, harkens back to my first design program I ever used, Mario Paint. Um, so I would like to see, uh, cool. I think you could do cool rhythm. I think you're thinking of a Luigi board. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of doing rhythm based stuff with the word game too. Yeah. I think the, uh, the challenge would be spectral interference, which is really hard to program around. <laughs> um, what about a yard sale tower defense game? You have to successfully guide people with your crappy signs to uh, spend money at your yard sale. Maybe there's a level of, uh, there are certain collector items and you want, you know, you want them to be noticed by the affluent collectors, but you don't want the kids getting the grubby hands on them. So you have to like set up either distractions or like attacks or turrets or whatever to lemonade stands. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. And then, um, why don't we have some fragile breakable items that if too many people pass by them without buying it, then, uh, then they shatter and you just lose that income. How record a series of team sport movements or plays, and those recorded movements are applied to all kinds of different sports, and you just see how many result in successful goals. That's interesting. One of the things that I know they do, um, or the sports networks love to do, even though it kind of makes no sense, is they calculate... Uh, the size and mass of a football and the speed at which a quarterback's able to throw it. And they were like, that's technically a 102 mile per hour fastball and that sort of thing, which it probably is not, would not work like that in real life. But yeah, I do like the idea of, uh, of taking those movements or maybe people with those stats and seeing how they plug into, to what, you know, what does a, a linebacker do when it's, uh, their movements are put on the ice in hockey. Yeah, I, I don't know how many sports have the same number of players on each side, so I don't know how feasible it would be, but maybe if you were controlling one character and then the rest of the team kind of all intelligently uh, kind of followed your lead. It also could be like really bad chess, but for uh, for sports. Yeah. How about a uh, an art... This is I feel like this is kind of like one of yours. An art curator has to battle horrible creations from the paintings of famous artists. I like that. I actually, I might have something similar later on. I'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I think it would be really fun to go up against the Scream and the Mona Lisa and all of these kind of great, you know, paintings and uh, the see them clocks. from an entirely different angle. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, that's what I was thinking. And I, I also think that uh, some of the abstract stuff could end up giving you big Dark Souls energy. A snowboarding type game where you're the size of a bug surfing on a leaf down giant scale household objects. um that's cool and it actually reminds me of something that they should probably uh one day get around to adding to uh that grounded game uh that uh Mm -hmm. is out but yeah i think that's super neat and then you could do in the same way you do in uh like snowboarding games did not quite get to the point where we were doing heavy weather effects and that sort of stuff. But I can imagine you do some rain or things like that and really affect the gameplay. It makes me think of that uh, Disney 
Tony Hawk's Pro Skater spinoff where you got to play as like the Toy Story characters and skate around Andy's room. <laughs> oh, yeah. How about a trick or treat battle royale where you're competing to get the most candy and you can also <laughs> steal candy from other players? This feels like something that they must have considered in Costume Quest, but didn't go through with. Like the <laughs> systems to acquire candy in that game are like there, but they just don't really do anything interesting with them. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine if it's team-based as well, then you could get uh, fun costume-aligned squads and have them, the ghosts are down, the, the Freddies are down, go get all their candy. A competitive rocket-building game. Whoever gets off, a, off the ground of a small planet first using the limited items that they find laying around wins. Oh, that's cool. And uh, are you going for uh, a little physics-y as well? Like you've got to kind of launch it and maintain it? Yeah, I think... Uh, you'd and maybe even be able to sabotage each other's rockets or steal mm -hmm. parts or just break apart. Maybe that's available to everyone and really yep. ruin people's day. Now you have the monopoly. <laughs> this one is after both of our hearts, a Gex sequel where he's uh, yes. moving through the streaming universe we're now in. So how would that differ from the media dimension beforehand? I think it would be similar, but I do love the idea of get you know splat not only doing some of the properties from each of these streaming services, but slathering the streaming service branding all over everything so he can make jokes about the, you know, oh, I can't watch that over here sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm wondering if it would be called Gexflix or Netflix. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's it. You found it. Um, each player designs a puppet and tries to scare the other player with it. And each player has heart rate <laughs> monitors on. <laughs> I don't have anything to say to this other than <laughs> fuck yeah. Yeah, let's let's borrow the little big planet tech or the dreams tech to make this happen. Yeah, it's great. Let's uh scare <laughs> some people. How about a a deck building 2D Zelda where you defeat enemies to collect cards and cards uh grant uh you know temporary breakable items or timed power-ups. So how is this different from like most card-based uh you know dueling type of games? Is it like an actual like a Zelda-like, you know, move around the world or is Zelda yeah. just kind of... I'm thinking it's kind of a Link to the Past style and you use your cards in it and the cards almost bring in that kind of everybody's favorite mechanic from Breath of the Wild, breakable items <laughs> sort of thing going on. All right. Tilt your switch to guide a marble through a maze. Hell yes. I think we've talked about different marble zone things in the past and... Yeah, there's there's an accelerometer, right? Or a gyroscope inside that right Joy-Con. So let's do this thing. Yeah, they haven't done nearly enough of, you know, I used to love right. uh, Mercury Meltdown on Wii. We just haven't really seen that level of like tilt style games on the Switch yet, which is kind of a shame. Yeah, we, we have a free Super Monkey Ball interface already built into the Switch and they haven't made another one. They've just revived the worst one. <laughs> How about an adventure game uh, where you play as a genie who is in search of their magic lamp? I've always been very interested in like writing a sketch or something that has to do with like a genie academy where all of the genies in training are like learning how to provide appropriately ironic, <laughs> spiteful, like <laughs> answers to the wishes that people give them. And so, you know, some of them go way overboard and and do things that are way too harsh. And some of them just kind of punish people that it, it's not like poetically tied to what they wished for. And they, you know, so they're all there to learn. 
Yeah, I like the idea of it being a little scribble Nazi and uh, that people uh, request things of you and you can kind of poof them to life in a, yeah, in that tragic way. A Spider-Man sequel set in the jungles of South America. <laughs> oh, that's, first of all, great swinging action that we'll get. Mm-hmm. But I also think it would be really cool to have Spider-Man kind of engage more in or just as much in the sort of crawling and the interesting things you could do with webs in between trees and all that stuff. He might have to pick uh, different colors for his outfit, though, unless he wants to (laughs) telegraph that he's uh, poisonous. (laughs) Congratulations, H. We did it. I have got for you a Venom game (laughs) (laughs) from Insomniac where Spider-Man is stalking you like Mr. X in Resident Evil. Oh, interesting. So you are kind of the big bad monster and the traditional hero character, the one who's a little bit more kind of nimble and dynamic is the one chasing you around. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's fast, he's, he can get you and maybe it's everything between being a nuisance and uh, being a serious disruptor to your agenda. Right. A game starring a kid set in a museum with Assassin's Creed-like climbing and parkour. Super cool. I feel like this, I'd be surprised if Assassin's Creed doesn't end up doing this at some point, right? Like put a kid in the animus and the kid can, (laughs) you know, an Assassin's Creed game that's almost like Assassin's Creed Tapas or something. I mean, they are doing those, uh, you know, Mr. No books right now or whatever. Children's books based in the Assassin's Creed universe, weirdly enough. But I've always wanted to run up the dinosaur skeletons and the you know, the giant whale that's in the uh, yeah. the London Hanging. Museum of History. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this is kind of maybe a Forza Horizon expansion, but uh, a racing game on a mid-terraformed planet where uh, your weather conditions are just changing wildly from moment to moment. Oh, very cool. It's kind of like a split second in that way where things can go disastrously wrong. You know, there's a game called... Motor Storm Apocalypse is that the one? It's an ATV racing that game familiar. with like extremely exaggerated and hyped up, uh, like natural geysers and oil slicks, and you have to keep your bike cool by driving through water and stuff like that. And mm. it's uh, yeah, I haven't spent enough time with it. It came out late enough in the PS3 generation that I was kind of like on to ps4 by the time i picked it up played now a couple sessions never, never really went back to it yeah i know <laughs> but i should go back to it at some point it sounds really interesting yeah i i think i heard about that I'm a, it's a shame i never checked it out right adjust coolants and water pressure in a nuclear plant to keep things stable a lot of this this gives me anxiety as somebody who watched and and thoroughly enjoyed the hbo miniseries chernobyl oh, yeah. but uh yeah i i like that and it's kind of codifying it, you could, with enough extra stuff around it, build out a full game around all of those Resident Evil style mini games of balance the fluids and move the containers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, as a simulator, it does seem a little, it might seem a little boring. Maybe I don't know that much about nuclear coolants and stuff like that. All I really know is like, how not to do it by watching The Simpsons, but uh, it could be interesting. How about a Hitman meets Ocean's Eleven? So we're infiltrating and stealing from casinos with potentially a group of accomplices. Yes. One of our earliest pitches kind of dabbled in this. Uh, I, I really want there to be a like prolonged period of player-guided like intel gathering that you can choose to 
cut off at any point when the heist needs to happen. Yeah, with uh, appropriately ridiculous names. This is Frankie Snakes. Frankie kisses his wife yeah. <laughs> every morning at 8 a.m. Right, a tightrope walking game in VR. Oh, man. As somebody who played and really enjoyed The Climb, which I know there's a sequel to now, mm. I imagine this would be absolutely <laughs> um, nerve-wracking. I think the thing you'd have to solve, right, is the the age-old problem of, I would imagine, like I'm thinking one foot in front of the other, but I will run out of VR space. So do I have to kind yeah. of turn around or reset in some way to keep going? You know, I played a lot of the climb, uh, the climb one, especially on Oculus Rift. And I got to the point where like the heights didn't really scare me anymore. Like I, I mastered the simulation and I was able to just kind of monkey around those courses. But I went to the climb too. And even though the graphics are a pretty steep drop off from the first game because it's uh, quest exclusive playing in the city level really kind of brought that fear back i think because mm. it felt more like relatable and uh like places i had actually been yeah your mind understood nature. the scale <laughs> yeah so yeah it's uh it's scary stuff and the climb's so good smash tv reimagined as a 16-bit style hades roguelike smash tv okay yeah. So um, I'd like to keep it 2D, but I'm thinking that we go we go more Hades room by room generative uh, power up sort of stuff. I think it would play nicely with a really expressive power set and the way that Smash TV kind of differentiates itself from Hades is that it's uh kind of wave based, you know, the characters mm -hmm. come to you rather than you progressing through a dungeon. It's all like you could really play up this kind of like grimy 80s television show you know this video drone yes. type of uh aesthetic as well i i was thinking the same thing in that like largely i know S cyberpunk weirdly kind of went in a i feel sleeker direction than i was hoping mm -hmm. for with the more dirty 80s uh robocop ism yeah <laughs> All right, you are a paintball sniper that must deface famous paintings at an art exhibit from afar. <laughs> I think you get bonus points uh, if you can pull off certain tricks, like if you can successfully uh, mustachio the Mona Lisa, um, <laughs> <laughs> then bonus points to you. But um, I love the idea of trying to trying to ruin a painting and trying to ruin a painting in just the right way like what is the most valuable spot i guess it's the mouth and the scream <laughs> that would be the, the place you want to hit i just really love the concept of like that slow motion follow the bullet mode from uh, sniper elite and watching all these kind of stuffy aristocrats gasp and fan themselves with their little paper fans as the uh <laughs> as the ball explodes on this priceless work of art. I like the idea of having a, a round that maybe doesn't shoot any paint, but kind of just disrupts the patrons as well, in case you need a clean shot. Like a fart bomb or something, stink bomb. <laughs> yeah, this, this one's actually maybe a little bit adjacent to your Spider-Man pitch. Um, a game where you're playing a panda in kind of a, a bamboo kingdom, and you're playing this panda whose parents were captured and... Uh, the movement, combat, mobility takes place entirely in, in tree lines. Yeah, very interesting. So would you be kind of a realistic pa a panda that can do what a regular panda can do? Or would you be like a kung fu panda? <laughs> <laughs> um, what's what's his name? Uh, Gru? No, he's not Gru. I don't know. My God. I, I don't remember. Sorry. <laughs> Jack Black. 
I like either. Um, it might maybe more animated would be potentially more appealing, but I do like the idea of trying to do a bit of a Pixar-esque level story to this, have some sort of set pieces and, and emotional beats. All right. A Teletubbies wrestling game. They just have such like big <laughs> squishy bodies that like it'd just be so much fun to just like body slam and pile drive each of them. <laughs> What you're saying is the way they're dressing, they're asking for in the Teletubbies. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the I love the idea of that. Of course, we get the big open field um, with the, the sun baby kind of staring down at the Teletubbies. <laughs> and maybe the sun ba- baby is the announcer, right? We fight. Finish, finish him. him. <laughs> uh. in, in the narrative action genre, I've got... Uh, you know, the the movie Logan was quite good. I'd love to play Wolverine as old man Logan in uh, the Last of Us style narrative action game. Yeah, it'd be interesting if you can really easily transition into this like stylized Devil May Cry band out of style character action. Like, because he's still the Wolverine, he can still kick ass anytime he wants to, but like you have strong incentives to not draw attention to yourself. Yeah, some perfect combo of slipping under the radar but going into that wolverine rage mode and and the power arc would be very different right like he is literally losing it over the course of it rather than um, building up 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 so about a game based on actual real world treasures that have been found follow clues to discover where these ancient treasures were somebody call nicholas cage uh, <laughs> these things belong in a museum i think that's cool i love the idea too of being able to go to different historical places, find out the origin of these things, maybe even uncover secrets about them that maybe are learnable in a history book, but you know, don't necessarily try and attempt to totally uh, fantasize in the way that you know the National Treasure movies might. Yeah, I think you know there's so much interesting historical information that can be taught to people in uh, really compelling ways through games. Like, why not? I've got this, uh, a shooter, this is actually based on a Twitter video I saw, a shooter that progresses through every era of shooter styles with each level. Well, that's great. We've seen games like, I don't remember the names, but there's a there's like at least DLC one or two RPGs. Uh, yeah, that's a good one as well. There's at least a couple RPGs that kind of go from like, you know, 8-bit to 16-bit to 32-bit to 64-bit 3D um, style RPGs, but like obviously the gameplay is remaining fairly consistent because that genre doesn't change that much based on the way that you dress it up. Uh, whereas shooters, I could really see changing in you know form and function uh, throughout. It could be really interesting. Yeah, and I like the idea of building a modern shooter level at the level of fidelity is super expensive now, but. Could could an engine recreate everything from the original Doom all the way up into, you know, your AAA action shooter of today? All right. So Banjo and Kazooie are separated. Banjo can put enemies in his backpack to use some of their powers. And Kazooie can fly freely on her own, each working towards each other through a series of levels before meeting in the middle and having to cover the ground that they each pass through separately as the iconic pair together. <laughs> Super smart, super good. And to me, it's really about length management here. As long as you don't make, uh, I think you want the moment where they come together 
it, it has to be a one plus one makes three type yeah. of feeling, right? Where it's just like, ah, oh, this is the move set I've been waiting for. The, it's going to be the God of War goes that or uh, Kratos goes to get his <laughs> chains moment, right? Yeah, this uh, and then going through the stages that you've been through before, you know, being able to get through new routes that you weren't able to access and unlocking all those secrets that you saw tucked just outside of view would be a really rewarding way to spend that second half of the game. Bring back Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> this is, I don't know why I'm requesting this because I know I'm not going to like half of this game, but a Persona style game, but instead of going into dungeon crawling in your spare time, you're actually getting into mechs and having killer anime mech combat. You know, there was a game last year called 13 Sentinels, Ages Swim or something like that. Uh, And um, yeah, it was kind of a mech-based RPG system, except the mech battles weren't these kind of like big fist-throwing and rocket-launching types of battles. They were all kind of like zoomed-out tactical views of maps. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think it left some people feeling a little underwhelmed based on the spectacle they were expecting, but... uh, you know, I think that one, the, the story was carrying most of the weight anyways. Yeah, it's it's like, uh, and I, 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 a shame I didn't get to play it because uh, I didn't have the platform to play it on. But after having watched things like Evangelion uh, over the past year and a half, like, I'm like, oh, okay, well, there can be a story alongside mech combat and make it all work. You are operating a lawnmower in a haunted cemetery. Keep the grass looking nice while avoiding ghosts and zombies. I feel like this um, has weird synergy with your wanting to pack the ground with bones in uh, one of your earlier That's pitches. right. It could be kind of a asynchronous multiplayer. <laughs> That's right. So also be wary of all the uh, things sticking up from the ground, potentially from your previous game. <laughs> Uneven land. <laughs> yeah, I like this. And you know what? Why can't a cemetery look beautiful like it has you know it has a uh, a need yeah you know they do have groundskeepers and they do try to make them you know look nice because a lot of people visit and it's respectful but uh you can imagine like spending that much time around a graveyard it's going to do things to you eventually oh so maybe the ghosts aren't really there maybe there's some psychological stuff going on maybe (laughs) i want to play a game as a fly who I almost wrote uh, needs to regurgitate, but I didn't, uh, who needs to kill and consume to stay alive as their health is always draining. Interesting. You know, we had those games on the PlayStation 2 where you played as a mosquito and had to discreetly drink the blood of this family whose house you lived in. <laughs> I think a mosquito's works really well because you have that natural yeah. risk reward of like going and trying to land on a living being who doesn't want you there to drink their blood. And it's a very obvious you know what they drink and where to get it like it's a natural right. human thing whereas flies feel a little bit more like kind of like goats do they just eat anything like <laughs> what what do they want where do we get it what is the risk involved damn flies on my tin cans uh no i like the pivot to mosquito there and i i do love uh i don't know if that game did this but the kind of uh the risky that kind of scary feeling of like how long can i maintain Uh, bringing my health back before I get crushed. Yeah. (laughs) A simulation showing how the COVID vaccine was developed. Oh, cool. You know, I had a nurse explain to me this when I was getting the shot. She said, it's kind of like saying your body needs chocolate chip cookies and the vaccine is giving you eggs, flour, chocolate chips, Mm. sugar, brown sugar, and butter, but it's not putting chocolate chip cookies in you. Um, And I thought that was an interesting explanation. I don't know how 
scientifically accurate it is, but uh, I do like the idea of seeing the building blocks uh, come together. And I mean, hopefully it would uh, give the other nations all of the information that they need to develop these vaccines and break these damn patents. Number 48, I have a chess puzzle game where uh, you're on a timer and you have to quickly decide which two pieces of yours on the board need to be swapped to win. Oh, so this is kind of like a really bad chess setup where they kind of put you in a game mid-game and you have to kind of work out the next two or three moves? Yeah, I like the idea of that, but it's like a two key pieces on this board need to be swapped one for one to win in the next uh, you know, two moves or something like that. You are a mech who has to fight larger and larger kaiju. With each one you fight, you can cut off one body part or weapon and attach it to yourself. So you can either choose to grow in size to match the increasingly large kaiju, or do you go for more dangerous blades and beams? I love that we have so many pitches that are synergistic with each other. Now now we can <laughs> add that combat layer into the narrative of the people yeah, offline, sure. and we've got a full, we've got a real full anime-ass mech game on our hands here. Yeah, you know, I just love the uh, the balance of either just bulking up in a way that isn't necessarily going to help you, but it's at least going to let you not get battered around so much, or to specialize in weapons but remain like really small and scrappy and really kind of take some risks and you know eventually feels kind of shadow of the colossus like i wonder if that's something they could end up doing with metal gear without kojima being involved if that ever continued yeah it could be i've got one here that's mist collapse so you're escaping from the island of mist and if you take too long to solve a puzzle the island is collapsing and you're forced to it maybe breaks down and you pass through the area anyway, and you're forced to move on to the next puzzle. It's interesting. I think people know the Mist Island fairly well by now, just due to the number of, you know, obviously it was a very popular game when it launched. And I think people have a lot of nostalgia for that. And then a number of re-releases along the way. Um, it would be fun to utilize that space for something else. Like I'm kind of surprised it hasn't become like a limited time Fortnite map or a smash bros map or something by now like it's such an iconic space oh god a building and shooting on this island is i don't know i guess it's as bad as the the xenomorph dancing so i'm down with it an open world game inspired by little shop of horrors where you have to defend a city from killer succulents all right so you could use poisons and fires uh all very you know useful against plants and stuff like that uh, maybe also finding ways to I guess, keep them from, from putting on their roots anywhere. Yeah, I like that. And uh, I do like, uh, I always love it when a game, especially open world games, which can feel sometimes, I'm playing Assassin's Creed and it's, you know, it's just so samey. Every time I go back to it every like couple weeks and I'm like, oh my God, everything looks the same to me in this game. Having really clear indicators, when you turn a corner in a city block and you see, you know, blooms and uh, spikes and stuff all over the place, you know that you've got work to do. Space billiards with each ball behaving like it would in a zero gravity situation. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I've, I feel like we need um, wider tipped pool cues or something or like rounded, more rounded tip pool cues so that we ensure that we can kind of get things directionally going up and down as well. I think if there's no friction that causes them to naturally stop, you'd have to, it almost becomes like a game of uh, 
you know, timing and rushing to beat the clock before the opponent's balls eventually get in all of the holes. Yeah. As long as, uh, or, or, or it's, it's like, a two players going in real time so that you're kind of playing defense yeah. along with uh, it. All right. Did we do it? Are we at 50? This is our 50th. I think we each have one more. Here's how I'm going to end. I don't know if it's the strongest, but here's how I'm going to end. A bejeweled RPG. You play as the jewel warriors um, and your RPG is m- that classic bejeweled match three puzzle combat. You know, bejeweled three did have kind of a quest mode or a story mode or something where there wasn't a story to be had, but there were different types of challenges that you would be faced with along the way. And then you would uh, have to beat a certain number of them to progress to the next like round, uh, the next page of challenges. Yeah. And uh, it, it did show off that even within that system, there's a lot of different types of gameplay opportunities to be had. And I love the idea of, you know, learning from the puzzle fighters of the world and saying, okay, you're, if you can do a match three, four or five of the blues, for example, maybe you get a water attack or something like that. And my number 50, again, maybe a bit of an anti-climax, but that's where I was at the end of my list. It's <laughs> a competitive block building game to recreate shapes or famous buildings. Oh, interesting. So, oh man, I'm tempted to also place this in VR because I love the idea of scrambling and like actually putting things together, stacking them and having them um, be structurally sound, like not toppling and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think balance challenges are really compelling in games and uh, would love to find more ways to, you know, we had a nice little run of them on Wii U and 3DS when stylus guided touchscreens were very popular and you can get that level of precision, but haven't had anything for a while to my knowledge. Yeah, and I think you'd want to do what some restaurants do too, which is like, just put a reference photo right there in front of each person who's competing and like... Uh, even then you don't necessarily have to do uh famous buildings like you could you could just be like hey here's the shape that you're trying to make and you know the timer begins well that takes us through our 50 games oh we get everything from your side as well we did and i can't believe it i thought like you said around pitch 37 i was like for sure there is nothing left in my brain (laughs) Well, it's, uh, you know, I did all of these, I wrote all of these between like yesterday and today. Obviously, we've been at this for four years now, just about, uh, you know, we're 200 episodes in. I think if this little like Sisyphean task today has shown people anything, it's that like, really, there is no limit to the ideas that you can come up with, like, sit down and just force yourself to think for a little bit. And you're going to come up with so much stuff that you're going to be impressed in yourself. And, and I think, you know, I, I know it's it's not the last episode of the show, but there was something to this. Just being in this moment right now with you, I have this feeling of, were we able to do this because of the 200 rounds of batting practice <laughs> that we got of like, how many weeks did we go into an episode maybe not knowing an hour before the episode what the hell we were going to talk about. And I know I've certainly done that. I know sometimes I I know at least once that you did it like moments before the show because you're so <laughs> good at it. But kind of just a reminder to me of how fun it's been to talk about these ideas and and share them together over these past, what, four years now. To all the listeners, like obviously, 
you know, you don't have a seat on this podcast and can't necessarily pitch through all these ideas with us, although we do enjoy the listener correspondences every week. But, you know, I think there's something different about having, you know, a partner in podcasting that we can reliably go to every week, even when we're not feeling good about an idea and just have that faith that like, you know what, between the two of us, we'll be able to get this somewhere. And so even if I come in with a weak assortment of words, you know, we'll be able to sculpt that into something meaningful and worthwhile by the end of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when we started this thing, I think I remember being, uh, what is it? Bearish, I think is the term. I was like, we're going to get people, are are we really going to get anybody to write in on this thing? And you know, up while we have our stretches of dipping into our <laughs> our mailbag or, or or Reddit, I I have been amazed with uh, you know Spencer and Ashton and it's so many people who have uh, not only wrote in but wrote in multiple times with ideas. It's so great. Yeah, whenever we uh, whenever we populate a new uh, set of episode descriptions. Um, I leave Micah Square's name in the template just because more often than <laughs> yeah. not, you guys got a lot of ideas. What can I say? We are happy to receive all of them. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great to have those repeat write-ins. And it's also great to have people that we hear from once and never again, hopefully not because they're dissatisfied with what we did, but just because maybe that was the idea that they've had ever since they were a little kid. And they just, you know, and I think it's it's great if you just have like you know, the one that you've been thinking about for years and waiting on. And it's totally fine if you have different ideas every day and don't think back on any of the previous ones. I think there's, you know, value in both of them. I am on pins and needles to find out in the next whatever, six, eight, you know, however many weeks, if Wiggle and Joe makes a return. That's what <laughs> I'm wondering. Yeah. So as we've said before, we have kind of a limited run before we close down here on Playwright, at least for our regular rotation, you know, leaving the door open for specials. And whenever we get kind of a itchy creative finger, then we can, uh, we can hop back on the old podcast, but um, we're going to be kind of winding things down in June. So let's make the most of the time that we have left. And if you, if that makes you at all sad or upset that uh, Playwright isn't going to be continually producing new episodes, then uh, please do just start again from the beginning. <laughs> like there's so much stuff and it's been four years since we released it. Like I'm sure it's going to land on fresh ears. Or I guess if you want now, you can actually just play this episode and just after each two pitches. <laughs> play in slow motion. Make it yeah, last. <laughs> that's right. Just pause for a week between every two pitches and know that we've given you a year. That's right. Well, anyways, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, if you would like to submit a pitch for one of the remaining playwright episodes and i think we've proven today that it can literally be anything <laughs> then uh email us playwrightcast at gmail.com go to our website playwrightcast.com slash pitch or tweet us at playwrightcast special thank you to protodome for the use of our theme song hello world off the album blue noise and thank you to the cane and rinse podcast network with cane and rinse with sound of play with the sausage factory go check it all out at cane and I think we've delivered enough mini pitches for the day. And I don't think we have the energy left in our 
uh, <laughs> left in not. our brains to play any redacted games. So we might just leave you there. But thank you, everyone, for joining us on our 200th show. And uh, we hope to hear from all of you again <laughs> uh, with your video game pitches, ideas uh, by the time we wrap in June. Hey, H. Happy 200. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.